Dear ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Digital Savages Challenging the Status Quo podcast with your host, Amir Sabirovic. In the previous episode of Challenging the Status Quo, the challenger and our guest was Yurian Helmus. And here's a short part of our conversation. Conditioned by society and your youth, the combination of both indeed. Hey, you, the, the, if, you get, if you get limited recognition in your life, in your childhood, then uh, obviously, as a as a f- uh, grown up, you want to achieve this recognition. Uh, if you if you're not understand in in a normal manner by your parents in your childhood, you want to make people understand you and make people or others understand uh, the, their world around them. And that's a kind of the status quo as it was. Yeah, so it's the sta- it's what you have become uh, given all all society and the scars in your life. But that's not freedom. Freedom is dealing with it, embracing it, and making different decisions. And then you start to enjoy life rather than being forced by all the forces around you. Are you curious about the rest of Yurian's story? Tune in the previous episode and listen everything he has to say about life challenges and most importantly how he coped and overwon his challenges. For now, let's tune in to our next guest. Welcome everybody to yet another episode of Challenging the Status Quo. And today I have a guest from overseas. His name is Jordan Goldmeyer, and he's an international recognized analytics professional, data visualization expert, author, and speaker. Welcome, Jordan. Awesome to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Hey, Jordan. Uh, we just kicked it off before uh, before we started the podcast, but could you please tell us what your background is and uh, how did you become what you're right now? Wow. So there's a lot of different ways to answer that. And I think what they tell you in being a good entrepreneur is that you should really try to uh, keep this answer short, right? Um, so I'm going to try to do that, but <laughs> I would say that what, what I, I really started out, um, uh, what really, let's go, let's go to the the original point. Um, so I loved, uh, like programming as a kid and, um, I used to go to the library and check out books on programming. Um, and then when I was around the time I was going to graduate, um, from high school and then going into college, uh, there was like, I think it was around the Y2K moment where it didn't seem like, it seemed like a lot of jobs that were in development and coding were leaving the U S. So I was convinced to, get a degree instead in in accounting. And then I minored in computer science. And so then I went out and I tried to be an accountant uh, uh, as an auditor. I was an auditor for the Air Force. And um, I ended up just really spending a lot of time building macros for them. And uh, when it came to the real job, I wasn't wasn't very good at it. So uh, after that, I kind of, I took what I learned though. I I was doing, I was doing really well in Excel and coding. So I took what I learned um, and I uh, got a new job as an operations research analyst, which is like a lot of mathematical programming that uh, created um, that I think is in a few other fields where the like uh, the start of what we call data science today. So I kind of was thrown into that and I worked worked in that for a long time. Meanwhile, so that's kind of my professional background. But really what made me want to go out on my own is that um, I felt very ineffective in these organizations. Because at many points, I was the Excel expert. I was the person who was really, really good at Excel. And since then, I've, I, I've written two books on Excel and uh, done a few other things with it. Um, but 
even then it was just kind of like we couldn't we can't take your advice because you're on the inside and you're you're lower on the on the you know on the ladder so i just thought to really be effective would be to go out on my own and you know it sounds it sounds too good to be true because it's a lot more complicated than that when you're out on your own what is complicated about it well you think that i mean from an outside perspective or an inside perspective i should say uh when you're inside you think well if my company just hired this outside person right and they gave independent advice and why are they listening to them over listening to me? I really don't like that. And so you think, okay, well, I'll just go be that person. But being that person, you know, it would be foolish to look at them and just say, well, they were hired because my company is is stupid or not intelligent, right? What we for- fail to see is that the brand that came in was like this big brand behind it. And so they have created a system that allows them to come in and give kind of maybe not even great advice or very bite-sized advice that we on the insides think this is like, I could do a way better job than this. Um, only to find out when we go on our own, like that's our competition. So we can either be more like them or we can be less like them, but it's not so easy just to go out on our own by ourselves without, you know, uh, sort of setting that contrast. Yeah. That's, uh, jumping into, uh, an, uh, out of your comfort zone, right? Right. Definitely. Hey, and, and being on your own, um, can you define or what is your definition of success? And and how would you describe the feeling behind it? Oh, man, that question always makes me cringe a little bit because I think <laughs> that, um, you know, I, I've read all these business books and I've done the exercises. I don't, I think to me, I don't want to like settle on something. So I don't want to uh, say this is what success is, but I'll just speak to like how it makes me feel, which is that like I view a future in which uh, I will have relief, you know, and that I will look up and see all my systems and uh, uh, products and people and things that I've built are just working together like beautifully and things are happening on time and in budget. And uh, I just look across, I say, wow, I built this. So, and you know, in many ways that moment, like it happens every day to some degree, but not, you know, in the big way. Okay, that's uh, yeah. When everything is connected and everything, all, all puzzle pieces fall together, right? Yeah, it's just very satisfying. I think that that's like the challenge is to build something that um, that you know maybe you need to like. If you stopped, if you stopped working on it, maybe it wouldn't succeed. But I suppose there's something like just having a system that works together and all the pieces and parts are moving correctly. Yeah, there's something very intuitively pleasing about that that I feel like is the goal for me. Hey, now that you have figured out that the job advising companies is much tougher than from inside out, uh, if I would give you a DeLorean and you could go back to Mm -hmm. advise yourself at the start of your career, or you may even choose which moment in life, where would you like to travel and what would you advise the younger version of yourself? That's a really good question because sometimes I think to myself, well, if I didn't learn it this way, uh, then I wouldn't have learned it at all. But at the other times, there are other times I wish I had just been more receptive. I mean, I guess I'd go back to the beginning in the in the first few years, and I would just say to take other people's advice. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be so stubborn. (laughs) Yeah, I just, 
I, I don't think I had an appreciation for it. Uh, I don't think, and you know, I think that like, there's just a lot of baggage in the way, a lot of stuff that I had to work through before I could really hear others and to be okay with it. Yeah. But I think that, uh, a lot of what, what's, I think that, uh, what, what holds a lot of people back. And I guess I just sort of see it a lot more now is that I had friends who we would just kind of look at other people and we would judge them, I guess. I mean, it was just me. I mean, it was just being mean, I guess, just being, uh, <laughs> people, you know, just like kind of being like, uh, like they didn't seem seemingly deserve this stuff. And the thing is like, I'm not going to say that they do. Cause I don't know. I don't know if they put the work in, but I think if you do put the work in, you will deserve it. So, um, I guess I just feel like I wish I had told myself that, that like, this is not about what other people and what they have. It's about what you currently have in your life. And there's not a whole lot of control you can do about what you have in some ways, what other people have. And I think in that sense of awareness, if I had just had practiced more awareness, I would have realized how much I had at my disposal because these other narratives about other people really blinded me. Um, cause I put it on myself too, to say, well, I didn't have this or I didn't have that. Um, or I didn't know what, know what I was doing. You know, the quicker you can get through that stuff, uh, the more successful I think you will be. So actually shut yourself off from things and other, other, other people's opinions and perceptions. Yeah, I think, I mean, you definitely want to do that, but I think that it's, again, that's not so easy. I think that that takes discipline. And so figuring out, you know, for what did not work for me were a bunch of self-help books, except for like a few one or two of them actually were helpful. And I think that if you come in with that attitude and think that, look, most of the stuff in the world is not going to help be helpful to me. And I need to go on the journey to find it. But once you do, you will see that you will be happy that you did. It's, um, I think, um, that the, the society conditions you into this kind of behavior mm -hmm. and thinking. Definitely. Uh, so the, I mean, I believe that this is, this starts early at school and goes throughout the companies and even the bonus system and compensations are based on this, you know, so the guys that stick out and they make other guys envy, uh, what they have without actually knowing what kind of shit they need to go through to get there. So it's always uh, the, the, the blind side or the white spots that you do not see. And then you can actually throw your judgments without actually knowing. But this is how society is built, true. right? You want what the other people have without appreciation, appreciating what you have. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, but what I don't want us to do is like, if you're, you're listening, if that's out there and I'm sort of speaking to you and then you might feel maybe a little defensive, I just want to say that like you're built this way. It's not your fault. Uh, it's not your fault. So don't... Um, you know, don't overthink it, just acknowledge it and, uh, decide what you're going to do next. You know, like if you are fine living with this way the rest of your life, then being an entrepreneur is not for you, you know, <laughs> Nate, there you have to practice open-mindedness to the full, uh, be selective of ideas, of course, but nevertheless, uh, you choose the information sources. Hey, and, and what do you do to challenge the status quo? I mean, I, I just, I guess I just like to say, I think a little differently. Okay. So I know, I mean, I tried to, can I tell you, I tried to fight it. I tried to fight it. Like I tried to fight this part of myself trying to be different, but like, look, I went, I was an auditor, but I didn't audit. I worked on like my computer programs, you know, like, um, I don't know. I, I went in, uh, in the book I wrote Excel dashboard pro, like I just talked about coding and 
Excel differently, which is weird because it's Excel, right? And no one ever thinks about this stuff. But, you know, I kind of, I felt like there needed to be just a different voice, a more advanced voice for, for a program that's very old to say that we could look at this stuff differently. Um, my new book, Becoming a Data Head, which I'm writing with one of my, the people I worked with when I was an operations research analyst, um, Alex Goodman, who's actually like, you know, I didn't, I don't have a master's degree. I don't, I mean, I got, I'm a C student, but he's a PhD. So, you know, he knows what he's talking about. So we're, we're writing it together. And, um, it's just all about like having the conversation around data in the workplace in a way that we all understand um, and can speak the same language. And, you know, it seems like people are sort of doing that, but they're not really pushing against norms. They're just sort of, I don't know, taking stuff we, we already know to be true about, um, um, you know, like about like biases and um, um, I'm trying to think of the word for it, but like, you know, when we talk about things like confirmation bias, a logical, like logical fallacies. So a lot of them, a lot of uh, stuff on how to understand data right now is just taking the old logical fallacy stuff and repackaging it. Um, not bad, but I think we can do better. So that's what I'm trying to do with Datahead. So I guess the way I try to challenge the status quo is I have these ideas. I look for for uh, people who are interested in them. You know, it used to be free flowing, a lot of trial and error, a lot of anno people annoyed. So Again, if you could take a step back and not just be so self-indulgent, this is what I'd say to myself. I'd say, do a little planning, find your market, find your voice. Well, that's a nice way to go. And you know, actually, that uh, I believe that I read it somewhere that actually that uh, people that uh, have straight a straight A's, A's uh, are very bad at economics. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't even want to say that. That I, I don't even. I don't want to confirm or deny that because I don't really know. Because. I, I have a lot of respect for the straight A students, but it, the school wasn't built for me. Like I tried it. I was, it was built for me as a C student. Um, and you know, no, but think about it. Think about it. If you know yeah. you can get an A and you go for C plus, that means that you're left with time. I mean, that's true. Shit. That's true. But I do think, but couldn't someone also just say though, that like, you know, like, cause, uh, I don't. I don't know if I'm, I'm trying to think who who I could bring up who I know as a student who doesn't know that I'm going to talk about them. No, I don't want to do that. But okay, I just like I have respect for the people who also said like I'm going to grind myself to the bone and get this A because that's what I that's what my achievement is and I see a future in which that A opens doors for me. Like I just didn't see it. It wasn't going to happen for me. So you know, I put in my C level effort and like you said, I used my time for the stuff that I loved. Yeah. So that's a. Again, about totally, conditioning totally. From, from early on, elementary school. Hey, uh, do you have a grand wish or goal? I mean, like, everything I feel like is very short term. Like, if I'm being real, I just, I have a revenue goal that I want to hit next year. I just want to hit it. I mean, that's honestly, like, I just want to be <laughs> laser focused on that. Okay. But, but uh, I do, I've never taken a four week vacation ever. And I think that I would like to take a four week vacation. If I don't take it next year, I'll just have the plan to take it. Like I'll, I'll know the path to get there. So I just do. I, I take three weeks every year flat. I would love to do that. I just, this thing's not, it's not running as smoothly as I want it yet. <laughs> it's because of that goal, probably. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. By the end of this year, that's it. I mean, there's a cutoff by the end of next year. So, like, uh, I have to okay. say, that's it. Like if, if there's no plan. I'll call you early next year and say, Jordan, how is that holiday coming? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be like, what's up? I'm on the beach. Come out. Yeah, with my laptop. Yep. <laughs> Catching some tan like a digital nomad would do. Totally. Hey, <clears throat> what is your biggest failure? 
I have so many. The biggest one. What's your favorite one? No, I'm just kidding. No. Where, where, where did you learn the most from? Let me say it like this. Um. Okay. So, I mean, probably, I because I, I got okay. So, um, I would say my biggest failure, but not really failure, but just kind of like a thing that had that didn't go the way that I expected was was I got married, right? And then I got divorced. So that was kind of the failure. Um, but let me, I'll kind of rope it into my story here because, um, I, uh, I, I was marrying someone who wasn't Jewish and I grew up as an Orthodox Jewish person in, in Ohio. And, um, I, I kind of left that and not really into it so much anymore. Um, and I was marrying a non-Jewish person and then, you know, I was really, I don't know. I mean, there's a million reasons why, but let's say one of them was about my own independence, right? Sort of set myself as, up as being a man. I had a job, I had a house, you know, just needed a wife. That's what I kind of thought that like my life should be, right? And so, you know, I went in there without a lot of like stuff resolved. I mean, it was really like my first significant relationship. So um, it didn't work out. And so, um, you know, but I look at that and I just think that like I had such an imagination for what, for, 30, 40 years was going to look like. And now that that imagination has changed, like I really like the imagination I have now because I feel a lot more in design of my life of what it's going to be, not held to other people's expectations. <clears throat> but really, you know, at the time, I just, it just like the idea that it didn't, wasn't going to last forever. Um, I really failed to see as many 20 year olds do that there's like so much extra life left and that we're so ready to define ourselves when we're young and yet there's like, because like all the experience we had when we were children just feels collapsed and intense and like significant when you're in your twenties, it's just like, mo it's so recent. And then afterwards you look back and you think I could have filled it in with so many other things or I did fill it in and it's not as recent. So I guess that, that would be kind of, uh, uh, my failure. Okay. So it's, yeah. Did you learn from it? I mean, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> did you get married again? No, not yet. No, no, I okay, don't know. Okay. I'm probably we're, we're going to see. That's on hold. We're, I don't really know what what that future is going to be. You know, you of course know what Einstein said. You know, the definition of insanity right? is doing the same thing, over, expecting different results. It's true, and I think it's just not for you. No, no it might kidding. be. It might. You might be right. You might be right. To be fair, like that's like we all need to really internalize what he said because, um. No, like I don't, I have not made the mistakes that I made in the past. Like I'm not, I don't seek the same type of person. I don't seek like things that I don't project onto other people, the requirement of validation to the extent that like, you know, we all do it because we're all human and we want to be with people who help support us. But no, I mean, I, I think I, I like really did learn that, um, you know, what you want needs to be at least. It, it's not that you can't, you should always like consider your partner. Of course you should consider, but like you also have internal needs and wants in your, in relationships in your life, not just with a partner, like with friendships. They all, um, you know, you need to feel like you're part of it. I don't know. They, you need to be, feel accepted, good or bad and live in a world of deep mutual respect. Yeah. I, I think, I think it shouldn't be, again, that goes for both your partner and both for your friends and everybody. It shouldn't be conditioned. Yeah. You are as you are. It's true. Um, and uh, I truly believe that if um, 
if any kind of relationship is a waste of time. And I seriously believe that, you know, um, you can kick it and laugh, uh, uh, have jokes, watch TV whole day, you know, just laying back on a couch, read books, etc. But it should be a dynamic that you can exchange things with other people that challenge your thoughts. Uh, however, if your thoughts are not challenged in any kind of way, or your emotions aren't challenged in any kind of way, not stressful way, in positive matter, I mean. Right. I think you shouldn't hang out with those people, being your friends or being your partner. Right. So it's better to be antisocial and have a calm mind than <laughs> be conditioned to be social and, you know, have people draw energy from you. I mean, this is my way of living, you know. I, I just don't care. Totally. Uh, you know, if, if people drain me, I just say get the fuck out of here i'm not i'm not gonna waste it's time true. on you no it's true and you know like we all say that to ourselves like we're all say oh we're not gonna deal with it and then we get obsessed with the dramas it is just better if you don't want to get obsessed with the drama to just to, to walk away from the situation just to like you said get the fuck out like it's it's you know <laughs> i don't have time i know <laughs> i know it's hard because there are people in your life when you start if you go on this journey and you start feeling that like you will start feeling that that tug where you're like, because you're all, I'm sure you're like this. You like to focus on what you want to focus on. And annoying people, um, they, they'll get a little bit more annoying. I don't know if you noticed that. like, Because <laughs> you're now like being withholding. Um. <laughs> no, they, 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 they actually track you. And, and they, as long, if you take distance, then they put extra effort to get in touch again. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but, and then they end up on mute. But so, uh, I, I, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Just go ahead. No, it's just um, you know, and so okay, so look, um, you know, it's fun to to have fun with these people, but be sure as you're listening that you don't become one of these people too. That like you don't need the you don't need the validation of others, right? That it's very important for you uh, to really find like your support within yourself, because I think that's what that sort of that's what leads to that behavior. Yeah. So so you first have to accept yourself and your mirror view, and have that guy or that girl. Yeah, looking at you is happy, then everybody around you will be happy. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's that's the definition of becoming happy, I believe, like getting in touch with yourself spiritually, emotionally, uh, mindfully, physically, and then, you know, and not uh, not be conditioned by anybody. I think that's that's that core essence. Uh, but again, you have to uh, deal with the pressure, quote unquote, of being alone. Yeah, that's true. So that's not for everybody. It's not for everyone. <laughs> it's not, it's not for everyone, but I do feel I, but I, but it's a discipline, you know, if you can, if you take it one day at a time, go for the small wins over time, you'll, you get better at it. I think it's addictive. It, it definitely, solitude. it's like, okay, so <clears throat> sometimes I go a little crazy. I mean, it is a little hard sometimes just to be, like I'm in my basement apartment in Brooklyn. Um, and so, you know, before COVID, I was already pretty isolated, you know, but I was going out. I, I mean, I was like fulfilling, I, I suppose, my desires. I, I mean, like I was like, I, I wasn't, I don't really, like I just don't have that much to spend on like going out and, and drinking or anything like that. But I was having fun with friends, you know, I was meeting up. and But then after that, you know, now my all my day is really about work. And so I spent months just being, really focused on work. Um, and like you said, kind of getting addicted to it. And now that like, actually 
my financial situation is not so bad because of COVID. Like I've kind of turned it around and figured out where to go next. Um, I'm starting to try to relax, but like, um, yeah, all I'm going to say is I, 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 it is, it can be very isolating sometimes, but because I feel like I'm built for this, um, and I just, you just work through it. <laughs> what else are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. You can go out. No, apparently. I mean, I'm not going uh, out. <clears throat> oh, I'm definitely, I'm not letting anybody condition me. Um, I don't, I just don't care. Totally. Uh, <laughs> totally. <laughs> hey, uh, where do you get your inspiration from? I, I mean, I just like, there's like a community of people like on the internet, you know, who just, who are like really into Microsoft Excel, um, and who are, you know, more than just doing it as, um, like a hobby or like to do tips and tricks, they're turning into a business. And so one of them, uh, Randy Austin in particular, he's like helping people turn their Excel idea, like their software thing, like through a coaching program into like a product. And I hope I'm, I'm saying that right. If he, if he ends up listening to this, but I'm always afraid I'm going to talk about a friend and say something incorrectly, but I have nothing but like great respect. Cause, um, I see the stuff. He basically builds these like mini, I don't know what you call them, like a micro program, let's say, but like, let's say you wanted to build a cash register, a low code cash register for your business. Okay. So you could do that in Excel. And a lot of people like in the U S we look at that and think, Oh, who would do that? That's so old. And you know, we like, we're, we're all really mean about it. Um, meanwhile, like everyone's running on an old IBM iSeries AS400. But any, either way, uh, we're really like mean about that. But across the world, people are using this as their low-code solution. And like he's serving this market. And I'm just seeing the ideas like he built this dining room like reservation like uh, system. And it's just like really cool. I find it very inspiring. So um, he and, and several others are, are doing this type of work and really pushing forward what it means to like be a person as an entrepreneur in this data space uh, i think that uh, a lot of people still miss the point that excel is so much more powerful than you know drawing columns and lines uh, it's true um and and it's still one of the most used pieces of software for data scientists it's and you can do so much with it i i, mean, I totally agree i mean i think it's like I do think it's used a lot. I think that when data scientists use it, they're they're prototyping it because I don't think, in truth, right now I don't think it can handle a lot of major data science use cases, operations, research stuff. We were able to get by. I mean, you can disagree with me on that, but like, I mean, for me, I like R and Python. I think that um, I, I and also just um, sure. The problem, no, the problem, the problem with Excel is, of course, it gets stuck after 1 million rows, it's, right? So yeah, that's, it has, that's not really a big data. It's true. It has its uh, limits. And, and, and it becomes really, really, really freaking slow unless you have, you know, tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, computing power. It's true. Uh, when, once you start using all these um, uh, add-ons and calculations within it. So, you know, I, I, I would say I use it mostly for the financial and the forecasting and these kinds of things is perfect. Totally. Uh, but um, f for other advanced stuff, yeah, you can move to, you know, uh, R or, or uh, whatever whatever program you prefer, of course. Definitely. And I think that, um, and so I, I think you hit on an interesting point there and like how it's just being used. So I think that like, yes, you can, 
you can build these really like quick data type applications. Some of them can be complicated, some of them not so much. Obviously, it's not like totally a data science tool, but it could be when then we move to the cloud. Like when Excel becomes entirely cloud-based, I think everything is going to just become SaaS. So when that happens, it really could be something uh, different. But for now, it's more of like a um, solution when you want it when you need to throw something together. But if you're really smart at it, I would say that like if you check out the work that I've done and what Randy's done, you can you can fight back against um, a lot against the like it going slow and things like that. Learn if you're listening, learn about volatile functions um, if you haven't uh, checked those out yet because those will really slow down your spreadsheet. So I just I got to throw that out there because nobody knows about them. I didn't, so thank you. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> hey, uh, is there something that you would like to leave to the world? And if so, how would you love to achieve this? Um, I don't know yet exactly what I would like. I guess I would like to leave something that would have my last name attached to it, like the gold. <laughs> you, you already have a few books. That's you true. You already have a few books, so that's you know you have written your name in the sand of. Time. That's true. That's true. That that's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I just want something like. I guess I want to. I would like to have something associated with me that's like reflective of a new way of thought, which doesn't have to be very significant. I think what to summarize this, I've always wanted a, like a Wikipedia page about me that I didn't write myself. You know, like okay. if, if that if I've done well, then that will happen. Uh, yeah. So, so if you you're laser focused, you're writing books. Um, it will. It I will. definitely, I definitely think so. It, what are you curious about right now? What am I curious about? Uh, the blockchain. So, um, you know, I spent so long talking smack about cryptocurrencies and things like that. Uh, I missed it. I not, and I don't mean just like miss making money as many people do. I just miss the the reality that our future. Like the blockchain solves the fundamental problem of ground truth, right? You will have the ground truth or a ground truth that you can all agree on. Um, nothing's really solving that right now. So this, and by that I mean ground truth of data, right? So imagine you are me and you're working in the workforce analytics department of a big four consulting firm, right? <clears throat> and everyone's there and you're looking at different data sets from different places across the world and you're saying, you know, how do we get a ground truth for this, right? Well, the answer... The answer, which I did not have at the time, was blockchain. That's how you do it. So, um, like, I think that that's the future, and I think that the it's very interesting the way that it was brought about because it's based off of these like libertarian ideals that I I really could care less about. I just don't. In, in the eighties, yeah, the 80s. only yeah. technology was not advanced to realize it. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that because, like, yeah, I just I don't care I, the political part about it don't care. I do think it's very interesting that economical part of it is going to affect us all very significantly very soon because <clears throat> imagine right now you are watching like TV and you have a choice, right? Whether to pay for like an ad, watching an ad or not, right? Um, <clears throat> let me think. I'm trying to think because I thought of this example last night. Uh, let's say um, right now, like let's say to, to postpone an ad coming on you were given the option to pay 0.000002 cents, okay? Something very small because cryptocurrency is just starting out, right? So you used a token to pay that. So um, over time, like that number could just increase and increase. Like we would all say yes to it. It could just slowly, 
you know, make us kind of reliant on it in the way that many of sub subscription products already have. So I guess I'm just saying like, that's kind of probably the future is my, these micropayments on things. Yeah. It's tokenization of assets also. Yeah. Yes. And you probably know more about that than I do, but like, yeah. yeah you should tune in on the 30th of January. I'm having the webcast uh, from digital business disruptors. So blockchain or dig distributed ledger technologies on, on, uh, for business. So we're going to talk about uh, real, real life cases and not some mumbo jumbo. You know, you yes. have the hype and then you have the reality, right? Uh, uh, so it's it's very very important to see what can be done and what can't be done and what's the value. At the end, everything has to result in value for business. I mean, uh, uh, even with Excel, if right. you're doing stuff... It has to result in value or improvement for business, either cost of co uh, cut of costs or improvement or internal investment or whatever. But it has to add value, and that goes for blockchain as well. I see it uh, as a security token on top of everything. Yep. But that's then again my opinion to validate everything. So if you have data streaming and AI algorithms, I'm not going to say AI. I hate that. Word, <laughs> You know, artificial imagination. So, you know, like on that. top of that, you would like to have like a kind of validation or assessment or even assessment of algorithms, right? Um, are the human rights, uh, according to our democratic values, being um, uh, abrupted here or is this algorithm really beneficial for human race? So uh, these kinds of things. But that's, I think, that goes into ethics and morals. And so I no, see definitely, this definitely. Technologies connecting to get to, together, uh, but they they're still evolving, right? So we are still on on, on we're on years away. Of, yeah, peak of inflated expectations. I mean, right. that's. I mean, uh, I mean, if you just think about, let us just say, like the Bitcoin market, like index, right, is just kind of like a reflection of the stability of running, you know, on a on a cryptocurrency, right? It's still highly volatile. <clears throat> it is getting less volatile over time because the market's getting more efficient. I mean, I think so. Um, so we will converge at a point where these, these technologies will be what we promise that they are, what we think they can do. But right now we're like, we're not even close, but we're, we're definitely on our way and it will take a lot of bright minds and imagination to get us there. Um, and I do think that we really should be like, you're saying like cut the hype out. Cause like the stuff that, uh, the distributed ledger can do, I don't think that we've, I don't think we fully imagined it yet. Um, but the, at least the ground truth problem, like the fact that it can solve that, it may, it, I think, feel like every company needs to start looking at this and see, you're right. Like, don't take it on if it's not affordable, but it really may be a matter of scale to make it affordable. And after that, it, I don't know, then you have all, all your data. If all your data, you know, is true. I think that that's a lot more valuable than this messy world we live in. It also solves a, a, a piece of cybersecurity, right? When exchanging data yes. between companies, so it has a lot of applications. But uh, you know, you come from you said you come from auditing, and the promise uh, we were talking about artificial intelligence a few days ago, mm -hmm. and there was a company in auditing there, and you know there there are certain promises, but you see that nothing is moving as fast as you would like to. So uh, that goes Definitely. for this as well. Uh, I think, although the acceptance of of, of distributed ledger um, technologies will actually be um, in the money realm, as soon as we say that the money is transferring COVID virus, it would be adopted as fast as hell. 
That's an so interesting thought. That's a virus. I mean, that's kind of that's an interesting thought. I mean, you're probably right. Like, I mean, I can't argue with that. Um, it, is, it does show you how you frame it up. Yeah, then everybody would adopt digital currencies in a matter of minutes. I mean, still, we would have to set up the framework and development, et cetera, et cetera. But nevertheless, <clears throat> it would happen. So this was off topic, back on the topic. Uh, so that's a lot of curiosity from both of us. <laughs> regarding <Definitely. LP. laughs> Hey, uh, if I would give you the possibility, so you get, you get two choices, and the two choices end up in three choices. But so either you travel to the most interesting time periods and you can choose three time periods, whatever time periods you would like to relive, or you choose to dine with three people alive or dead. First of all, which of the two choices would you do? And then which three are your choices or your answers, better said? Alive or dead. So like so like Schrodinger's cat? No, I you 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 mean like Sorry, that's a stupid joke. <laughs> um, um, okay, so, uh, you know, I think, to be honest with you, uh, I want to pick the the time one with the caveat that the most interesting time, though, is right now. Like, this is will always be the most interesting, so don't let, don't um, think that, you know, think about the past, think forward. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> if I could travel past travel back you can also travel forward but I can travel you forward you can travel forward but you can also travel back but if i travel forward what will i know the future could be so many things i guess um oh, man you, you can get so so, so so let me just help your imagination okay so we are still thinking that we were the most advanced technology um society in the period of time so I would really like to go to the time of Egyptians and see these fuckers fly around in, in saucers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that was the fact. But, you know, there was some sand involved and stuff, or I don't know what happened. So I think that we assume a lot about the past. Um, no, definitely, definitely. We we, uh, we do assume. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, think I would want to go at least back to, like, I think it would have been cool to be around like when we were going to the moon, like to what to like watch Kennedy say, Oh, we're going to the moon, not because it's easy, because it's hard. I always kind of like that. And I thought it just, I always thought, you know, growing up in the 90s, that space was really, really cool. So I definitely want to go, I want to be around for that, for those inventions. I guess I'd want to be around. Um, I always think about how um, uh, Isaac Newton was off hiding during the plague, and that's when. He came up with um, uh, the concepts of gravity, and so I guess I'd want to be there. I'd be kind of cool to see to see him. I mean, these are all just stories you hear, so you know who knows if it really happened like that. Uh, but I think that that would be cool. Um, a third place, a third place where because it's not just anywhere in time. Um, wouldn't it be cool just be at the moment the universe started? You know, I guess we all were just in a little tight little dot, but. Yeah, I guess I would. I would. I'd want to if I could go anywhere in time and see some, in some way. I'd want to see that. That would be a really nice one. Uh, <laughs> although I think you would blow up very soon, but nevertheless, <laughs> it would be a very brief moment in time, uh, <laughs> as our lives are. Uh, is there something that I should have asked you but I didn't? 
I mean, it's your show, so I can't. That's like kind of presumptuous. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe um, you have a, a, a hidden thought somewhere that I didn't grasp upon. I have so many hidden thoughts. It's probably better that you don't. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, we're going okay. to continue this show for at least 45 minutes more. No, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, I, okay, so um, let me uh, – so I guess, um, you know, we didn't talk about like um, I am an EMT, which uh, I like – learned how to do i went i went to like emt school after i got um divorced i just kind of like i was running the business on my own and um i just thought it'd be a cool way to give back and so i haven't really figured out as like a challenge in like doing both things being an entrepreneur and doing emt because sometimes i have to take break on one to support the other and i try to be a volunteer um you know i and i was definitely i i volunteered during covid and, and also got some e EMT gigs. Anyway, I just bring all this up because, um, you know, I just want to offer to everyone, you know, you, there are tons of different ways to support your community. You don't have to like go become an EMT, but, um, if, if you really try to think creatively about what you want to do, not just like what everyone's doing and pressuring you into like, come to this, come to that, you know, but really just like define for your character, like what's something that you would really like to do that you imagined yourself doing, um, that you could give back like it's worth doing uh, that. Yeah, pay it right. forward, or uh, it, it it results in giving back. But I get. I, your think, point. I think you should give. I think you should give without the expectation of getting back. Just give. Like it doesn't matter. There is no. I don't necessarily believe in in karma so much. Like I don't think that there's a great equalizer, and because of that, I think you should choose to give anyway. Oh shit! We really defer on those thoughts. But I don't know. I'm not saying there isn't one. I'm just saying, and I think that there's there universal balance. Universal. I, I balance. think I feel there's an internal balance I like to shoot for, which I can't always explain. But I don't want to tell people do this. Like I don't really know. I, my universe does not feel like a universe that's fair. So I don't know that. I think it's like a recognition of that. Um, and I don't. I, I just have to seek internal balance because I don't think the universe is going to balance itself. No, um, that's my take. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you know uh, the best. What we can do is be the best person or the best version of ourselves and help others that are actually in need. That's it. Uh, without any expectation, without doing it for the show or whatever, like like just freely. I'm trying. Um, I feel weird talking about it on here, but I I, I want to use myself. I don't know because it's just because I want to do it for those pure reasons. Uh, yeah, you know. I think that you can motivate other people to actually that's also my, give them, give them, right. give their time. Uh, I do the same, uh, of course, for another organization, and and that's not relevant. But I think that that's the best way if you can help other other people achieve things uh, by by sharing your experience and your. I mean, this is actually why I started a podcast, you know, so people mm -hmm. can share their rough experiences in life and see, Hey, uh, it, it, you know, I failed seven times, but I got, got up eight. So that's, that's the reason. <clears throat> so definitely inspiring. Hey, um, if you take your life, uh, <laughs> and this story, what is your key takeaway? Because we have come to the end of the podcast and I need, I need your key takeaway for our audience. So summarize everything, you know, in few sentences of advice. Okay. So if we go back to the beginning, um, I just, I learned how to fail well. I, I like to say 
to everyone, just fail anyway. Doesn't matter. Just uh, fail up, fail down. I don't care. Like, just go out and fail. Fail anyway. Doesn't matter. You'll you'll find that out. If you if you are afraid of the future, uh, you're you're you have myopia because you have a future that you've imagined. That's what you're afraid of. Actually, the future is a lot worse. <laughs> you you need to expand your imagination because you're going to fail at things you you never even thought you could fail at. So um, that you didn't even predict, and they don't <laughs> give a shit about you. So. You know, like you just need to be. It's time to to move away from that and just go out and fail anyway, because it doesn't matter. I I I find that very beautiful scent. Fail anyway. Just go out and fail anyway. Who gives yep. a shit? Just do exactly. It. Just do it. You'll find. I out. think it, it's. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not kidding. I haven't seen. You know, you have Nike like just do it, and all these companies having great uh, slogans and shit. But fail anyway is. So paradoxical. It's beautiful. Oh, I call <laughs> it. I would, I would buy that shirt. Phil, anyway. You know, you're telling me that because I should be using that because, like, I have that. I wrote that. Like, I made a little fail anyway poster for myself. Um, like, because my friend said, she's like, you're really good at failure. I'm like, well, I've never even heard that before. <laughs> and then I wrote, and I wrote this thing and I like about failure on Medium. And I was like, oh, yeah, just go out and fail anyway. Because failure is like currency, right? You just, everything, you just like cash in, right? You just keep, Loading it up, you save it up, you know, you compound on what you learn, and then uh, you you pay on it. I don't know if any of those words made sense, but I think uh, for, there's something uh, there. For, for me, they do because you know, if you, you if you haven't failed enough, you haven't learned enough, you know, then your life was too smooth, right? So and I truly anyway. believe that a life without scars or a soul without scars is actually not really resilient. But that's my opinion, of course. I agree. I agree with that. I think in those in the saddest thing is that those people do have scars they're just sort of resilient resilient in the opposite direction like they, they're <laughs> unpenetrable um in the ways that they are yeah so so if you start printing shirts with a cool logo fill anyway you get yourself a buyer definitely and if okay. it's a hoodie, i'll take two awesome all right <laughs> fill anyway i love it i love it thank you for that you're welcome jordan it was awesome talking to you thank you very much for your time and effort and your story of course um and all the good luck uh, and stay safe and healthy of course in these concerning times all right thank you thanks so much for having me on likewise thank you thank you jordan have a good one bye-bye you too thank you very much for listening dear ladies and gentlemen that was jordan goldmeyer the challenger of status quo for the next week is Boyana Duovsky. She's a creative business innovator with a knack to unlock human potential. And here's a short part of our conversation. Yeah, well, uh, you know what? I think it's very personal. So success to everyone and it's an ongoing process. Um, and I think it's very important uh, to enjoy the journey as much as the end goal. This is something we kind of forget or, or you know, and because also the process is something which is very uh, helpful and um, I personally feel success in, in um, when my soul is fulfilled and I can't explain that but I can be really drunk of happiness are you curious about the rest of Boyana's story tune in next week to hear everything she has to say about life spirituality entrepreneurship and how she challenged the status quo for now this was challenging the status quo podcast season two with your host Amir Sabirovich Stay safe and healthy and until next week, ciao!